the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And they can't get up. They're stuck. And nothing that happens will allow them to get up. They've fallen and they can't get up. The only way they can get up is if the shepherd comes. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. The first thing I think of that I do when I go to the doctor's office is they put a cuff on my arm and they check my blood pressure. Then they stick a thing in my mouth and they check my temperature. Then they put a clip on my finger and they check my oxygen level. Then they make me stand on this demonic device. And they check my weight. Why? Because I, before I can deal with improving my health in the future... I have to have an accurate reading and an understanding of my health today. So before we can really go forward about protecting yourself, I would first just ask you, do you know where you are? How are you doing spiritually? I'm not going to come around with a microphone right now, but I could, right? So in here, most of us would profess to be followers of Christ, some for five years, some for five months, some for 50 years. Are you progressing? Are you growing? Are you closer to Jesus today than you were two weeks ago, a year ago, eight years ago? How's your time in the Word? Have you, have you been in God's Word this week? You know, a part of your relationship with God is not that you just come and you sit at the buffet on Sundays, but that you get in God's Word on a daily basis. How about your time in prayer? Have you had concerted and intentional time communing with God in prayer? The Bible says some things in our life come only through prayer. Are you spending time in prayer? When's the last time you've shared your faith? When's the last time anybody in your corner of the world has heard you talk about what Jesus means to you? Anyone. What about your stewardship? If you were standing face to face before God today, would he say, boy, you have been so generous with that which I've given you? Or would he go, hello, where do you think you got it all from? Why'd you keep it all to yourself? You see, I can look at a lot of things that are quick detectors, just like those things in the doctor's office, that let me know my current condition. How are you doing? Do everything you can not to be caught off guard. If you don't want to fall, then make sure you're prepared. And one of the ways we do that is to see the cause. So I know my condition, but then I see the cause. Verse 3 says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing... He deceives himself. What is he saying? Beware of your spiritual blind spots. So I have a new to me car. It's about six years old, but it's new to me. And uh, it's got some cool features. So when I go to park, if the car thinks I'm getting too close to the cars around me, you know what it'll do? Beep, beep, beep. I love it. I could almost drive with my eyes closed. 
Do you know if I'm on the interstate and I'm trying to change lanes, if I put the blinker on, if there's a car in my blind spot, a light flashes and a noise sounds. That's awesome. What if we lived our life spiritually so that we were so aware of what could happen that we were engaging our blind spots? Maybe we have other people in our, our lives that were speaking into us that said, hey, you're, you're about to crash and burn. You're about to wreck this thing. The blind spots in our life. What causes blind spots? You ever thought about that? Carelessness, Right? So even in my car that's new to me, if I try to change lanes and I I don't put on the blinker, guess what? No lights and no beeping. That's careless. You know what else causes blind spots? Weariness. Did you hear that? As a pastor, the most sinful choices I've ever made have been when I've been worn out. I've just been tired. You can't burn the candle at both ends and expect there to be no problems. You get weary. Ignorance, pride, pressure, satanic deception. If I believe the Bible, I recognize that my battle is not against flesh and blood, but there's a spiritual war going on all around me. And I want to be aware of that and be sensitive to that. And so when I look through Scripture, I see all these strong men of God that have weak moments. And often it's after a season of great victory. So you've done something good. You've gone to church or you've been to a camp or you experienced revival. Or man, you were worshiping and you thought it was great. Or God moves in a service and then you go home and all Hades breaks loose in your house. It's kind of like Elijah. He's up on the mountaintop and he's calling down the fire and the water from heaven. God's working in a mighty way in his life. And then he after victory, goes down in the valley and he's scared of one woman. He stood up to hundreds and hundreds of prophets, but he couldn't stand up to one woman in that moment of weakness. So verse 5 says, bear your own load. Are you aware of the cause? What could cause you to fall? But then thirdly, I would say you've got to live for the cure. Live the cure. And what is the cure? For yourself, it's repentance. It's turning to God. So it's recognizing, hey, I'm going in this direction that's going to be destructive to me and harmful to others. I'm not going to continue going that way. I'm going to change. Any counselor, any addiction recovery group, any support organization would tell you, if you want help, the first thing you've got to do is stop going in the wrong direction. If you want to get out of the hole, the first thing you have to do is what? Stop digging. And repentance is when you understand, I'm going to stop digging. I've been going my way, trying to figure this out on my own, but I'm going to turn. I'm going to agree with God about my sinfulness, and I'm going to go his way. I'm going to live for his glory. Some of you today, you've fallen and you can't get up. And the cure for you is repentance. Every month I read through the Proverbs chapter a day. I love it when I come to Proverbs 28. Look at Proverbs 28 verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain 
mercy. So some of you, you've got some secret sins in your life. And you think it's just hurting you, but it's probably hurting your family, those closest to you. It's hurting the church family because it's like cancer in the body. But you're hiding it. You're suppressing it. And you're thinking, nobody else knows what I'm going through. But here's what that verse teaches us. What we uncover by God's grace and as a result of the shed blood of Jesus, he covers. He does separate our sin as far as the east is from the west. But what we cover, what we pretend is not there, I'm just telling you, he'll uncover it. And it'll be a lot more challenging when he does that. If counselors in our church and a counselor would tell you that if someone confesses their sin and repentance and maybe they've messed up in a marriage and they bring it to the spouse, there's a lot better option for healing and recovery than when that spouse uncovers it and they stumble upon it and they find it. And it was a secret that was not confessed and repented of. Maybe you need to repent. Well, That's us. So a big part of this, I can't read this passage without saying, I've got to figure out how to bear my load. I've got to deal with my junk. But what about others? Say others. How do I care for others? I think there's a picture here that we need to see. And really you can see this if you listen to David. Don't you love how the psalmist is honest and vulnerable about his struggles? So David says in Psalm 42, 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? He says this over and over again in this chapter. He says it in the next chapter. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And we hear that in the English and, and we think of cast down as just being kind of, I'm, I'm down today. I can remember as a child, sometime I'd just feel blah. And my mom would say, what's wrong? And I'd just say, I'm just kind of down and she might say, what happened? And I'd say, I don't, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just kind of down. And that's what we think. But David would have had different meaning. For David, when he would talk about someone being cast down, he would do that in the context of who he was. And yes, David was a king, but David was also what? A shepherd. So he would have been referring to a cast sheep. You know what a cast sheep is? Let me show you a picture of a cast sheep. That's a cast sheep. A sheep who's just minding its own business, walking along in the pasture, and maybe it hits some uneven terrain. Maybe it faces difficulty in its journey, and it falls over. But the problem is, the sheep hasn't just fallen down. The sheep has fallen, and it can't get up. I don't think you're getting the picture. I'm telling you, this dude... He's like down on the ground like this. And shepherds would tell us that he's just sitting there bleeping. And I have never been trained in sheepage, but I'm telling you what they're saying. I can't get up. I'm stuck. Especially true, by the way, of pregnant sheep because their lungs are enlarged. Their bodies are more than 50% water. They walk through this crooked and craggy terrain and they just fall over and then they're stuck. And you know what? The longer you're like this, the less comfortable it becomes. 
And you just start bleeping. And some of you, that's the way you're living. And we're having to bleep out the stuff you're bleeping. You're just moaning, poor me, I'm stuck. I can't get your legs start shaking. Because this is not the way your body is designed to be. And then gases, they say, begin to build up in the sheep. I'm not going to tell you whether or not that's happening right now. (laughs) And they can't get up. They're stuck. And nothing that happens will allow them to get up. They've fallen and they can't get up. The only way they can get up is if the shepherd comes. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And what the shepherd will do is they'll pull that sheep up. And a good shepherd will straddle that sheep and come and get his hands under the torso of that sheep and he'll pick him up. He may have to massage the legs a little bit because they're not functioning properly. You may have seen a picture where a shepherd is carrying a sheep on his shoulders because they've just gotten to the place they can't even walk if they did get up. They don't believe me, just Google it. Not right now. I Googled it yesterday just in preparation and it's a surprise. I expected to see a Middle Eastern shepherd, but I saw this British shepherd in this cool English accent. The, the heading of the video said, you can save a sheep's life. And he said, some of you are hiking around the British countryside and you'll come across the cast sheep and their feet are in the air. They, they're going to die if they're left there. But you can save their life. And this guy, he didn't straddle the sheep. He just kind of walked up on the sheep and began to roll him over. And the sheep got so startled. He was so scared of the guy that was trying to help him. He, he started running off and he almost fell over again. And sometimes that, that happens, doesn't it? You'll come upon somebody who needs restoration. They need the loving care of your touch. They need your shepherding in their life, but they don't really want it. They know they need it. They know they can't get there on their own, but they don't want you telling them what they need to do. Because they've fallen and they can't get up. I want you to think about something before I give you some practical steps. Who is cast down in your little corner of the world? Now, it may be the person you see in the mirror, and we'll talk about that again in just a moment. Maybe you, you are cast down. But it may be someone else. Who is it that if if we had spiritual x-ray and we could look around this room, who is it would all four up in the air? If you're at your workplace or at your classroom, who is it that's just got their hands and their feet up in the air? They're stuck. They can't do it on their own. They never will. Maybe it's asking and answering this question, who's your one? Who's that person in your little corner of the world that needs that gospel conversation and needs a relationship with Jesus? Well, when I find those people, how do I help others when they've fallen? 
So I told you there were just two questions. The first one is, what can I do to prevent those unexpected falls? And second is, how do I help others when they've fallen? Number one, be gentle. Oh, be gentle. This is going to be implicit in everything I say to you, but and we're just not good at this as a church. We're good at saying things like, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls like you. We look down our sinful noses at the sins of others. We're like the Pharisees to whom Jesus said, you don't even lift a finger to help other people. And if our relationship with God can just be about a list of rules, then maybe we can manage it and fit it into our box. But the Jesus way is different. Jesus is the gentle, mighty Savior. So yes, he's our mighty God, but yes, he is gentle. So Paul would say, you who are spiritual, restore them with gentleness. Stop the judging. Stop the condemnation. Stop the gossip. And come alongside them with gentleness and restore. Second, be humble. Be humble. He says, be careful lest you deceive yourself. Be careful lest you fall into temptation. Be careful lest you're pretending to be something you're not. Be humble. Understand that there but by the grace of God goes you. Do you need to be reminded of that today? Given the right circumstance, situation, you're capable of anything. There's no sin that you are not capable of. We're all 15 minutes away from stupid. Do you realize that? One of my passions is trying to encourage pastors. And years ago, I read of a study of 200 pastors who had morally fallen. There were four things they all had in common. Here they are. First, they, they all say that they had lost their intimacy with God. They had stopped their personal times of devotion. Second, Every one of them said there was no accountability in their life. No one was asking them the tough questions. Third, every one of them said they innocently allowed themselves to be in a situation that was unwise. Maybe it was a man counseling a lady with no one else present, or maybe it was just communication or interaction in a setting that was not beneficial. But fourth, every one of these pastors said this. Now, I'll tell you one thing. That could never happen to me. You want to restore other people. If you want to be the kind of friend that walks along those who are cast down, then you have to be humble. Be ye humble, lest ye stumble. Thirdly, be loving. Realize that love is our motivation. That's why it is intensive and intentional Care, intensive and intentional compassion. We're loving others the way Jesus has loved us. And you know what he does? He comes alongside us as the good shepherd and he picks us up. Sometimes he'll get us stable and send us on our way 
and we'll catch up with the flock. Sometimes he might have to set that bone that's broken or, or clean out the hooves in that foot where it's gotten all trashy. Sometimes he may even have to carry us for a little bit. But that's what he does. And that's what he wants us to do. You see, we follow the good shepherd. But he's called all of us in the family. Remember, brothers and sisters, we are to shepherd one another. So, just remember that central truth today. Neither failing nor falling need be fatal. No, redemption and restoration, they're part of God's plan. And God wants you to get in on his plan. So let me give you four practical responses before I pray. Number one, some of you here are caught in sin. You're cast down. The only answer is confession and repentance before God. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, don't leave another church service without seeking to get right with God. Recognize your sin and repent. It's hurting you, it's hurting those around you, and it's hurting the body, family of God. Number two, some of you have sinned in how you've responded to others when they've fallen. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences to our sinfulness. Sometimes restoration takes a period. Sometimes you may have to step away from your active involvement in ministry or in other things you're doing in God's family. But, but some of you have been those like the Pharisees that have looked down your nose at the sinful choices of others. You need to repent of that. And it may be that you need to make a phone call this afternoon or make a visit and seek to get that right. Number three. We all can just make a decision that we're going to seek to do better at bearing one another's burdens. We're going to stop walking by those people with all four in the air. And we're going to start trying to be a help. We're going to be sensitive to the needs around us as we walk through this journey together. But there's a fourth thing that I believe somebody here needs today. Here it is. This is you. I've fallen. I can't get up. But pastor, I I go to church pretty regularly. But I can't get up. Pastor, I, I I even go to community group every once in a while, but I can't get up. If I think I can make it through the week, I, I'll put something in the offering plate, but I'm telling you, I can't get up. I, I've even tried raising my hands when we sing like some of the people do in church, but I can't get up. And here's the reason. You'll never get up on your own. Our faith is a faith that is dependent on the good shepherd doing what we could never do. Our relationship with God is dependent on him coming alongside and picking us up once and for all. That's what salvation is. And some of you have never lived the victorious Christian life because you've gone through religion, you've experienced ritual, you've come to church, you've done some of the other things, but you've never truly surrendered your life 
to the good shepherd. Because here's what I know. The psalmist would go on to say, when you cast your burden on the Lord, he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. When you who are cast down, cast your cares on him, he will demonstrate his cares for you. So the question is, have you ever really cast your cares on him? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. And join us next Sunday at noon for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.